Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lost Teams podcast. I'm your co-host Anthony Cerdelli. With me as always is my fellow co-host Andrew Lennox. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, doing pretty good. Tried the potty training with the toddler uh, this past week <laughs> and um, she did not handle it well. So we're back to diapers, oh, no. but <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, she's a little young. She just turned two. So it's it's a uh, it's a process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's pretty, I mean, she's pretty smart, but I think she got scared. So we we decided to abort mission potty training and delay it for another uh, a later day. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Everything good? Yeah, good. Just uh, chugging through life. <laughs> Excellent. This is about the sixteenth time I've asked you how you are between off uh, before we were recording and now. So. Oh yeah, uh, no, it's been yeah about ten times now. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Anyway, um, today I'm going to tell you guys the story of the New York slash Brooklyn Americans, an NHL team that existed in the uh, early part of the 20th century, or kind of middle part, uh, from 1925 until 1942. And this is an interesting team. This is one of those teams that did most things right, but just got screwed by things completely out of their control and ended up changing the landscape of the NHL because of it. So uh, an interesting story coming up. Yeah, it should be. Um, Okay, so my sources were uh, Metro Ice, a book by Stan Fischler and Tom Saro, uh, and then an article called Remembering the Brooklyn Americans, the borough's first NHL team, and then in parentheses, sort of, but not really, by Joe D'Alessio and, uh, uh, in the New York Magazine. And then the last one was just Wikipedia, a couple Wikipedia articles um, on the Brooklyn slash New York Americans and Madison Square Garden. So like I said, the New York Americans, as they were first known, began play in 1925, which was a season before the Rangers. So that makes them New York's first team. And I think the second, officially the second American team, I'll tell you why in a second, uh, in the NHL. They folded in 1942, about, what was that, 17 years later? So a good run, at least. Yeah, they did have a good run, and they could have had a better run, but things just didn't go right for them. They played in Madison Square Garden, but as I just found out 10 minutes ago, because apparently I'm an ignorant sports fan, uh... This is not the same Madison Square Garden that exists today. I always assumed that today's Madison Square Garden was the one that's been around for uh, since the early part of the, the 20s. But, I mean, stupid me, a lot of the other arenas that were around then, uh, most of them, if not all, don't exist anymore. So, so you're uh, saying there were other ones? Yeah. So I'm talking about, like, uh, Boston Garden, Montreal. Uh, no, uh, I know that. I know that, but um, Madison Square Gardens. Yeah, there were multiple Madison Square Gardens. This, the one that currently exists is the fourth one. That one was built in the 60s. Oh, the Madison, okay. Madison Square Garden they played in was the one before that one, that, which was built in the 20s, in 1925. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what happened was the NHL wanted to expand to the United States, and a gentleman named Thomas Duggan either purchased, must have purchased three, in having quotes, options for NHL expansion teams. So... Instead of founding three expansion teams, he sold one to Charles Adams, who was, I think, a grocery grocery store magnate from Boston. Sure. That that team became the Boston Bruins. He then sold, uh, I think he used two of them. He he started another team called the Pittsburgh Pirates, not the baseball team, the NHL team. (laughs) Right. I've I've seen that logo around. Yeah. Yeah. It's an old, we might do that team one day. And then he partnered with a gentleman named Bill Dwyer to found the Americans. Bill Mm -hmm. Dwyer was an interesting guy. So he mostly, Dwyer mostly ran the team and owned the team. I think Duggan 
kind of went to the background after he partnered with him. But Bill Dwyer was a bootlegger. So this was during Prohibition era. Bill Dwyer basically smuggled alcohol. Al Capone's buddy. Yeah. And he was a mobster. I mean, he was a, yeah. a, a, a an organized uh, crime guy. Um, but he was trying to go legitimate at this time. So he bought legitimate businesses and other professional sports franchises in order to make his name more legit and uh, become a legitimate businessman. Kind of if you've seen The Godfather or The Godfather Part Three, I think. Wasn't that the shitty one? Yeah, it's not the most, it's not everyone's favorite, but it's not terrible. The teams that he started aren't well known, but they are well known in other leagues because they are basically have the same name. So he, he owned the Pittsburgh Pirates of the NHL, not to be confused with the Major League Baseball's Pittsburgh Pirates. He also owned the Brooklyn Dodgers of the NFL, not to be confused with the Major League Baseball's former Brooklyn Dodgers, which became the LA Dodgers. So Dwyer was able to basically be this mobster because he was protected by the New York political machine, Tammany Hall and the NYPD. But like I said, he, he basically was like, hey, I don't want to be wanted by the law at some point. So he basically tried to go legit and bought these professional sports teams and casinos. I see. So go ahead. No, I, I was just saying I see. Yeah. So <laughs> Dwyer, Dwyer and Duggan paid $75,000 to, uh, to start the Americans. And it was kind of a, it's not, they didn't move. It was more, it was kind of like we talked about with the Texans last episode. So Dwyer basically purchased the players from the Hamilton Tigers, which was an NHL team who went on the first strike in NHL history because they wanted the team to pay them more. The, the NHL had gone from 30, uh, from 24 to 30 games and they were paid the same amount basically. So they went on strike right before the playoffs. They sat out the playoffs and were suspended by the league. And then the league basically reinstated them, but they were like, you've been now been bought by Dwyer and you're now the uh, New York Americans and you play in New York. So crazy. Did yeah. all the players go over there? Yeah. Yeah. The players yeah. went. Um, and the, the, the crazy thing is the Hamilton Tigers were successful. They were very competitive, but when they moved to New York, for some reason, not so much. They have a CFL team uh, called the Ham Hamilton Tiger Cats. wonder oh, if the there's Tiger any. Ca yeah. Tiger I mean, that's Cats. Yeah. I wonder mean, if goes, there's any connection. I'm sure it's it's a historic like it's a hockey team in Canada. I'm sure they were like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna get historic, even though it's a <laughs> CFL <laughs> football yeah. league. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it crossed sports. Right. My favorite thing about the New York slash Brooklyn Americans are their jerseys. Have you seen pictures of their jerseys? Uh just red, white, and blue, right? They're red, white, and blue with like blue on the top and red stripes on the bottom and stars. Uh they were pretty uh they they might if they were in the NHL today, they might be my favorite favorite uniforms. They're kind of okay. flashy. I think even today they'd be considered flashy. Like Did they kind of look like the Rangers or no? No. So they were basically an American flag, a little bit more a little bit of an American flag kind of jumbled up on the jersey with stars and stripes. Mm -hmm. Uh and it would kinda of, I mean, doesn't remind me of the Team USA jersey from nineteen ninety six World Cup of Hockey, but it's like it has that kind of feel, just like sure in your face very very obvious which is i like it's pretty cool yeah i'll check it out <clears throat> so uh the brooklyn americans really did well in terms of uh in terms of fans they did not do well in terms of their record uh the bulldogs had finished first the season before but like i said they struggled in new york um and before we get to their record so the other thing that's going to come into play is the guy who owns madison square garden at this time his name is tex ricard 
he built that Madison Square Garden in 1925. And when he built it, he said he didn't want to have hockey. He didn't originally plan to have ice. He didn't want to have an NHL team. But what were uh, they going to have? I guess concerts. Boxing was big back then. They even have concerts back then. I think it was box. I think he was. Um, I might be mistaken about the guy, but boxing was huge back then. So I think they hosted boxing yeah. and concerts. Um, so Ricard basically was like, well, we don't have a team, but we rent it out to you. So he rented it to Dwyer. Uh, so on their opening night in Madison Square Garden, they drew 17,000 fans in a 3-1 wow. loss to, to Montreal. So That's impressive. Yeah, and it's impressive because I just looked it up on Wikipedia the other day. Madison Square Garden now holds just over 18,000 spectators for hockey, and this it's a new – it's a new arena. So That's I don't know. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know how big that old Madison square garden was, but, uh, it must've been pretty enormous to hold, uh, to hold the, that many people. And it, it's got to have been close to a sellout. Like I'm trying to find. So they must've been making some money with crowds like that, but let me guess the owner probably swindled all the money. No, they okay. got, uh, let's see. Yeah, 19, I mean, you can go into it later. They got 20,000. 22,000 for a couple events, uh, 13,000. So they were, they were up in the, up towards the, 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 uh, higher end of the attendance over there. So impressive, but they weren't good. They, yeah. uh, <laughs> they went 12, 20 and four, which is, I mean, it's a losing record, pretty handily mm-hmm. losing record, but it's not like they went, Oh, and what is that? 30, 36, me good at yeah. math. So they were, they were competitive in some games. Their best player was a gentleman named Billy Birch, who scored 22 goals in those 36 games. So, I mean, they had, they had some guys. Billy was uh, a sniper. Billy was a sniper. But the thing is, they continued to draw fans the whole season. So hmm. even, even when they were bad. And so what Tex Ricard saw was like, hey, this is popular. This sport is popular. The team sucks. I can do this better than they can. So let me start my own team. Mm-hmm. So that is how he started the New York Rangers. Ah. The New York Rangers uh, really took the wind out of the sails of the New York slash Brooklyn Americans. Uh, they, they basically, there was no, I guess there was small print in, in the contract for the Brooklyn Americans, their owners, that Ricard could start a team if he wanted to. Or Rick, yeah, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. So... What he ended up doing Tex was start. Ricard. Yeah, Tex is, Ricard. Is he French? Tex, a French Texan? <laughs> I don't know, but the, <laughs> it was kind of weird. They, so I guess they called the team the Te- Texas Rangers, like Tex apostrophe S Rangers. Really? Yep. And then they just went by Rangers and they had the, they went with the diagonal logo that we still know today, the diagonal jersey with the, I would say, Rangers across the front. But he chose that diagonal down, kind of unique jersey that we still see today to stand out from the Brooklyn Americans who had a pretty flashy jersey. Yeah, it is. It's a great, it's a classic jersey. And this is all because the Brooklyn Americans existed. So he founds the Rangers. The Rangers are an instant success. They, uh, and they come in at the same time. This is the, this is kind of the start of the bad luck. So not only does he found the Rangers, but the league expanded to 10 teams that year from seven so they had to split into two divisions. The Americans were the only American team in the Canadian division, along with the Montreal Canadiens, the Montreal Maroons, the OG Ottawa Senators originally, not the current mm-hmm. expansion team from 93, uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So not only did they have to travel far for those times, but they were in a team 
a pretty stacked division. They finished only uh, in front of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that wouldn't last for long. Meanwhile, in the American division, the Rangers finished first in their first season, so pretty impressive. Yeah. The next season, the Americans finished last in the Canadian divisions, and the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's not going well for the Brooklyn Americans, but I mean... Old tax, old messing tax. things up. Just screwed them over, and the NHL, can, I mean, by putting them there, screwed them over as well, even though they were in New York first. But I guess owning Madison Square Garden and owning the Rangers gives you priority. Yeah. Uh, they continued, they would be continued to be mediocre for a while until they improved. But my favorite fact that I'm going to fit in here before uh, talking about their improvement is, and you might have heard uh, Doc Emmerich talk about this at some point when you've been watching hockey or uh, uh, Pierre Maguire. Uh, so the Brooklyn Americans slash New York Americans were the team that basically created the icing rule. So the Americans were not competitive and not good on defense. So as a defensive strategy before the icing, before icing was a rule and anyone who doesn't know what icing is, uh, who's not a hockey fan in a hockey rink, there are two goal lines at the ends of the, each end of the ice basically. And then two blue lines in the middle with the red line in between if a team is in their own zone, so close to their own net and shoots the puck all the way down the ice and it crosses the red line, the blue line and the goal line on the other end, that's icing and it's a whistle and the other team, depending it's either touch up or not, whatever league you're in. Uh, and then the faceoff comes in your own zone. So it's meant to prevent uh, icing or throwing the puck down the ice as a defensive strategy. So the reason that the NHL instituted this rule was in 1931-32, the Americans iced the puck 61 times in a game in a 3-2 win over the Boston Bruins. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the next game they played each other, Boston gave it right back to them and iced the puck 87 times. So after that season, the NHL was like, this is ridiculous. We're not allowing this. this yeah, is <laughs> that must have been just miserable to watch. Yeah, just imagine, imagine all of a sudden, like and, and Brooklyn Americans fans who are apparently still uh, coming in strong were just like, what? Like, must have been like, this isn't fun. <laughs> I hate, yeah, I, I hate icings now. I can't imagine watching that shit. Yeah, I mean, it's just brutal. And it's it's also hilarious because it's just, I mean, good strategy, not illegal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kind of reminds me, do you remember a few years ago when, um, maybe this is close to a decade ago, when I think it was, Tampa Bay or I think it was Tampa Bay or Philadelphia one of the two they were playing each other but one of those two teams I think it was coached by uh, Boucher mm -hmm. uh, did this like one three one where they would just stand so they have a guy back in their kind of back in their defensive zone neutral zone area a guy yeah. kind of in the offensive zone four checking and then three guys across the neutral zone and they just sit back and wait it's like a trap and I think it was, it must have been the Lightning. The Flyers were playing against them. And I think it was Chris Pronger picked up the puck behind the net and just sat there and was like, I'm just going to wait you guys out and you guys got to come to me and break up the <laughs> 1 3 1. And nobody did anything for like 30 seconds. Just Pronger just sat there or whoever, whatever Flyers defense when it was. And the Lightning just sat there and the ref had to blow the whistle, I think a couple times. What? Yeah, I remember that. And can you imagine being at that game live, and like yeah. wasting your money on a yeah. ticket to see that shit? Just absurd. I think it was 2012 that happened. Yeah. Uh, so back to uh, the Brooklyn slash New York Americans. Uh, the 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 Rangers, excuse me, the New York Americans really tried to make an effort to to become competitive and and to 
exist, continue to exist. So they acquired goalie Roy Warders from the Pittsburgh Pirates. That season they went 19, 13, and 12, and Warders won the, or that's what Warders went, and he won the Hart Trophy, had a goals against average of 1.15. They kept track of stats like that then? Yeah, must have. That's or cool. someone went back and calculated them, but it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, they also had a gentleman named Sweeney Schreiner in this era uh, that in 1935-36 led the league in points with 45 points in 48 games. During- Over a point a, guy, point a game guy. Yep. During that, but during that season, Dwyer was having issues with his finances. So his trying to go legit from being a monster wasn't working. And he couldn't find a buyer for the Americans. So the NHL took over the team and sold them to their coach, Red Dutton. And there was a lot of people named Red back then in yeah. hockey. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> Red Kelly. Well, this is Red Kelly would be after that time. But even now, I mean, Red Berenson is a pretty, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Recent. Um, so, and, and Dutton was the team's coach starting in 1937-38, and then he took over ownership. Uh, and this is when the team was pretty good. So in their entire existence, they only made the playoffs five times in 17 seasons, and they only made it as far as the semis, but most of those playoff appearances came under Dutton during this era. Gotcha. Uh, ultimately, though, they couldn't get past the semifinals, and then in 1940-41 is when things really started to, uh, to go downhill for the Brooklyn Americans. Uh, obviously World War II had started. There were, there were a lot of his players who were enlisting. So he lost a lot of players off his roster. He had to sell off his stars to keep the team afloat. So as a result in 1940, 41, they only won eight games, uh, in 41, 42, they tried to gather a bigger fan base. So basically what they did was they (laughs) renamed the team, the Brooklyn Americans, although Mm. they still played in Madison square garden. And they were trying to expand their fan base out of Manhattan. So, I mean, it's not the best effort, but good try. They did practice in Brooklyn, apparently, but they didn't play there. Gotcha. But Dutton had a plan. He eventually wanted to build an arena in Brooklyn uh, and was about to, and I think had purchased the land. He meant to move the team in the late 30s. He secured a $7 million uh, financing agreement for the arena. But because of the start of World War II, they couldn't get steel to build the arena because it was being used for the war effort. Uh, makes sense. Yeah. So he said, all right, whatever. We'll be around at the end of the war. Uh, we'll build the arena then. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, in that one season as the Brooklyn Americans, the, uh, the team was pretty unsuccessful. They went 16, 29, and 3. They had a core of young players, though. So things were looking up. They were, I mean, they were competitive. They, people were What's a young to player... <laughs> back then like 18 19 what 15 because the life expectancy was 40 i don't yeah. know um but i mean apparently they had some young players uh but this is around the time when most of them enlisted in the army and it just destroyed the roster i'm so, sure yeah so they they basically were no longer competitive and because of that madison square garden was like well you don't really have that many fans anymore. We could make more money hosting other events during the war. I'm sure boxing matches were a big one and, and uh, political rallies and stuff like that. So um, they, uh, they said, you know what, New York slash Brooklyn Americans, you are done. We're going to suspend you. So they suspended the team. The NHL continued during the war, though, and uh, Dutton briefly went back to Calgary to, I guess, work on a family farm or something like that. And then somehow became the NHL's president in 1943. So 
He was president from 1943 to 1946 of the NHL. And basically, once the war ended in 46, he was like, hey, I want to bring back the Brooklyn Americans slash New York Americans, and I, I want to build the new arena. Um, before he suspended his team, or the team was suspended by the NHL before he was a president, the Canadians, Blackhawks, and Red Wings ownerships all promised Dutton that they would vote in favor of reviving his franchise after the war uh, and that he could build the new arena. Unfortunately, in 1946, when he met with the league owners, who are called, I guess, still called governors, which is kind of weird, mm-hmm. uh, must be a business term. So he basically in 46 was going to transfer his power to a name we all know, Clarence Campbell, who would become the NHL president. Uh, but when he was doing that, he brought up bringing back the Americans. And I th- guess he put it to a vote. But the uh, owners of the Maple Leafs, Bruins, and Rangers were like, nope, sorry, we don't want this to happen. Which is crazy because the Bruins, the Bruins' ownership, I mean, maybe it changed by 1946, but he basically helped start their team. So I don't know why they would uh why they would vote against it so i don't know maybe the ownership changed before uh, uh before this happened so that the bruins all of a sudden were not uh friendly with the uh, brooklyn americans ownership group and red dutton uh but it brought up this amazing quote from metro ice the book i mentioned which uh-huh. uh i love this quote so dutton said i looked around the room and nobody was looking at me i got the message Gentlemen, I said to the governors, you can stick your franchise up your ass. I gathered my <laughs> papers and left. Wow. <laughs> it's just, I love it. That's hilarious. <laughs> so much passion. Um, yeah. And obviously, we don't know if there's any further shenanigans going on. You have to imagine that the Rangers and Tex Ricard were like, we don't want another team in our area. We want to be the only team. So let's screw over the Brooklyn Americans. But I'm sure, yeah. But uh, yeah. And with that basically loss of that team. The league was down to six teams and mm-hmm. would be six teams known as the original six until the seventies when they expanded. But uh, there's one more thing that's very interesting um, about the, the Rangers and this kind of clash between the Rangers and the uh, Americans. So the Rangers, because the Rangers were clearly behind the decision not to let the Americans back in the league, Red Dutton said, the Rangers will not win a cup in my lifetime. And he was 100% correct because that curse, that curse became a thing. Uh, it became acknowledged, and Dutton was right. It took them until 1994 to win the Stanley Cup. Dutton died in 1987, seven years before that. So he cursed them. The Dutton curse. That's, yeah, I've never heard of the Dutton curse. <laughs> I don't even know if that's what it's called. That's just what Yeah, I, I mean, you should call it that. That'll be it for the New York slash Brooklyn Americans. But here's a list of players they had, by the way. Okay. So... They were, and this is important because I couldn't find any confirmation of this. I found it in a couple articles, but I didn't find it really in anything legit. I guess the Americans were the first professional sports team to put names and numbers on the back of their jerseys in the 1926-27 jerseys. Like I said, I couldn't find validation of this. It was on Wikipedia. Um, But that's a pretty uh, amazing kind of change to sports that they made. Of course, yeah. And of course, you would want them you would want your fans to know who was on your team. There were some pretty serious names. So I don't know if you ever heard of, I mentioned Billy Birch, mm-hmm. Charlie, Charlie Conacher, Lionel Conacher, Red Dutton, Busher Jackson, Ching Johnson, Harry Oliver, Chuck Rayner, Sweeney Schreiner. So, I mean, these are names, not names that I've ever heard of, but Eddie Shore. Eddie Shore, of course. Yeah. Bullet Joe Simpson, who's got a pretty badass name. Yeah. 
Hooley Smith, Nell Stewart, and Roy Warders, who I mentioned was the goalie. So yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty serious players. At least Eddie Shore is the one I recognize the most, but I think they had a lot of future Hall of Famers. So and you said uh, Conacher. Conacher. Yep. Was what was his first name? Charlie. That that name sounds familiar. Also. Yeah. So they they had some good uh, they had some good players and. Um, like I said, they kind of changed a lot of things about the NHL and sports. They changed the, uh, the jerseys numbers and, and letters on the back of our, sorry, the Jersey names and numbers on the back of their jerseys. They, your disappearance basically resulted in the NHL going down to six teams, which they would be for another 30 something years. Yeah. And, uh, they were the first hockey team in New York, the second best team, the second team in america and only by a few days because the bruins were founded just a few days before them so uh pretty crazy team i would i support <laughs> if the nhl ever expands i know they're not going to bring another team to new york but the brooklyn <laughs> americans would be a pretty sweet team to have if you could get rid of that god-awful arena yeah that arena is terrible i was going to say that it was yeah. built for basketball not hockey for sure yeah yeah and then i mean i don't blame them for going the islanders for going back to long island because i've heard some terrible things about what the, what is that place called the Barclays um, Center? Yes, you are correct. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not upset I missed watching the New York Islanders at Barclays Center. <laughs> so, yeah, I had um, just a, a question and then also just uh, a name we talked about earlier in the podcast. Um, Red Kelly actually played for the, his rookie season for the Detroit Red Wings in 1947-48. So that was, what, five years before the, uh, the Americans folded, correct? 47-48 was five years after. Oh, five years after. Okay, cool. But, but yeah, still, yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, yeah. I said that wrong. But okay. it's, I mean, that's funny. Red Berenson playing for the Red Wings. Or not no, Red Berenson, Red Kelly, my bad. Red Kelly. <laughs> sorry. But Red Berenson. Yeah, we're off right Michigan. now. Yeah, sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a quick question, did the Brooklyn Americans have, do they have any connection to the AHL's, uh, Rochester Americans? No, not that I can tell. I was looking on Wikipedia, but I don't believe they do. I mean, they're in the same state and it was founded. It looks like by, uh, uh some NHL well-known NHL names, but I don't mm-hmm. think they, I don't think they were named officially after the New York Americans or the Brooklyn Americans. I think that was just a team a name that they liked yeah because i do know that franchises the hl franchise has been around for years since the 50s it looks like yeah so yeah um and then there was one last thing i actually did look up the it's called the curse of 1940 so uh this is the curse name for red dutton or because mm-hmm. of red dutton and this is the uh the curse of 1940 this is from wikipedia worked in several ways Madison, Gar- Madison Square Garden Corporation found it could make more money when Ringling Brothers, Barnum & Bailey Circus came to town in the spring. This forced the Rangers and later the National Basketball Association, New York Knicks, to use different arenas at the worst possible time during their respective teams' playoffs. At the time, it was impossible to configure arenas in a way that would allow circus and hockey, bas- hockey and basketball games to take place on the same day. Hence, the Rangers used the Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto as their home ice in the 1950 Stanley Cup Finals, a move that potentially cost the Rangers that year's Stanley Cup. After the, after the Blue Shirts took a 3-2 series lead on the, New York, on the Detroit Red Wings, the NHL cited an ex- obscure rule stating that the deciding game in a Stanley Cup Final cannot be held on neutral ice. Maple Leaf Gardens was labeled as neutral because its tenants proper were the Leafs and Madison Square Garden was still occupied by the circus. 
The Detroit Olympia was thus the venue for the six, although the Rangers were to be designated the home team for the sixth game. Although the Rangers were designated to be the home team for the match game, Wikipedia says match, this isn't soccer, mm-hmm. uh, and the seventh <laughs> games, both won by Detroit. So basically the NHL was in like, nope, even though you're the home team, you're playing at the uh, other team's arena. <laughs> and That's you ridiculous. Uh, so basically uh yeah they got screwed by the red dutton curse and it's funny and it's actually poetic justice that they got rid of the americans ricard did because he thought they would make more money hosting other teams and then the madison square garden corporation i guess after ricard was gone was like nope we can make more money hosting the circus than you guys playing here so get the hell out (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious karma yeah i can't imagine how bad the ice was back then it must have been pretty miserable Um, Yeah, so that will be it about the uh, Brooklyn slash New York Americans. Pretty interesting historic team. Um, Yeah, fun fun story to uh, talk about for sure. So that'll be it for the uh, New York slash Brooklyn Americans. Andrew, uh, you got anything you want to uh, pump out there? Anything you want to tell anybody about? Uh, Not really. Just I'll give you guys my uh, Twitter handle. It's at A-W-L-E-N-N. Gotcha. And mine is at Delhi Tweets. It's D-E-L-L-I-T-W-E-E-T-S. Uh, you can also find me at the Media Delhi on Instagram, although I don't know how much longer because I keep getting these messages that I'm violating some terms of service on Instagram or Facebook, and they're like, you Weird. cannot promote things. I'm like, it's not changing my account in any way. Uh, so That's strange. Who knows? Yeah, I promise you I'm not showing my boobs on Instagram. So. <laughs> anyway uh if you like the podcast please rate us and give us a review on your podcast app please tell your friends about it we'd love to have more listeners and if you have any teams you want us to cover or anything you want us to talk about please let me know on twitter uh or andrew and yeah that'll be it talk to you guys later take care guys